Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha. We encourage our listeners to come and check us out at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Many of our radio listeners have done that through the years, and many have stayed on with us. Come and observe a congregation, a church that simply tries to be the church of the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. We teach God's Word. I've often told people uh, where I was preaching that, uh, and teaching and where I was a member of a congregation, if you want to learn the Bible, come, come be with us. Now, if you want to go see a show, then you're not looking the right place with us. But if you want to really get into God's Word, come and check us out. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. We simply want to be the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And you're always welcome. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. And on Wednesday evenings, set aside our busy schedule in the middle of the week and come back together for midweek Bible classes every Wednesday evening at 6.30. Again, you're welcome to any and all of these services. We encourage you also to tell other people about the program and also go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after your wallet. We simply want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive on your smart device this radio program, Monday through Friday, Search the Scriptures. But you'll also receive a whole lot more Bible teaching. You'll receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily, seven-day-a-week, short Bible study that we call Today's Bible Class. It's only about 13 minutes each day, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that's important because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So take advantage of these opportunities. Again, it's free. Be in God's Word and stay strong and grow stronger in your faith and tell others about this opportunity as well. We're going to get back into our new line of thought and study. We're talking about heart troubles. Now, we're not talking about some kind of cardiovascular disorder or some kind of heart disease that is physical and medical in nature. We're not talking about heart attacks. We're not talking about strokes or or blockages where you the surgeon has to go in and put a stint in or maybe even do a bypass surgery. We're not talking about any of that. That's all physical. That's all medical. We're talking about heart troubles, obviously, that is talking about the way we think, what our mindset is, our spiritual focus, and so on. Well, this particular lesson along this line is talking about something that a lot of people, as I said, by way of introduction, they'll shake their heads. Yes, yeah, boy, that really is a problem. I'm glad somebody's talking about this. We need more people to open their eyes to this. But then a whole lot of other people, they would not like to hear what we're going to be talking about, what we are talking about and studying through in this particular lesson. We're talking about laziness. Uh, one, one form of heart trouble is laziness. Again, 
as I pointed out by way of introduction, I think we're living in the fastest-paced society the world has ever known. We have so many gadgets and gizmos and electronic devices that are supposed to be time-saving. But at the same time, we seem to be forcing into our lives a whole lot of other busy activities instead of taking advantage of that time that's being saved. We just become busier and busier. Now, saying that, at the same time, I think as a culture, as a nation, our country right now, what I'm talking about, we're becoming lazier and lazier and lazier. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm talking about what seems to be a growing, and I'm afraid at at a faster and faster pace right before our eyes, a growing tendency on the part of a large percentage of our population are simply becoming lazy. People, a whole lot of people don't want to work. Now, they want to get money. They want a home. They want a car. They want a flat screen color TV. They want the clothes with the right tags on them, but they don't want to have to work to earn all of that. They want it to be given to them. They want to be provided for. I've never heard of so many young men and women, and I think for the most part it's probably mostly men, who are maybe in their upper 20s, mid mid to upper 20s, who are living at home with their parents letting their parents support them. Now, it's not because they're handicapped. It's because they, they just don't want to get out and work every day for a living. It's incredible. And it is draining the strength of our society. We left off last time. I read a text of Scripture from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning with verse 6 and reading through verse 15. We read that text, and... Here, the Apostle Paul, he focuses on the principle of laziness. Now, you don't find the word lazy in there. You don't find the word laziness, but it's the principle, and it's clear what he's talking about. And he pulls no punches. I want us to read that again, and then we'll start getting into a verse-by-verse or section-by-section kind of exegesis in it where we analyze what he's talking about. Beginning with verse 6, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul wrote this, but we command you, brethren. Now, he's writing this to Christians who ought to know better, who ought to have a more focused, spiritually-minded lifestyle. And notice the word command there. He's not making a suggestion. He's not, he's not giving a good idea. He's not saying, I think you, maybe you think you ought to think about this. He's, I command you. We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's not commanding us in this particular letter by his own authority. He says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the, by the authority of Christ himself. He issues this command. And what is that? That you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. Again, he's writing this to Christians, to members of the church there at Thessalonica. And he says, we command you to 
withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. In other words, he's not living by the instructions, by the teachings from God that we taught you when we were there with you. In verse 7, he goes on and says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. Not because Paul was the authority or the Messiah, but it's follow us as we follow Christ. Follow our example of living by the teachings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he's getting across. For we were not disorderly among you. So here's that word in one form or another twice now, disorderly. Withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. And here in verse 7, we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Now, Paul says, now I would think, and probably most of us would think, if Paul's saying, withdraw from any brother who walks disorderly among you. And then you remember, we were not disorderly when we were there with you. You'd probably be thinking about disorderliness as somebody who is uh, not living a faithful Christian lifestyle. Maybe they're causing trouble. Maybe they're stirring up strife. Maybe they're living in some kind of sinful uh, lifestyle. Whatever it is, and you and you could think of some other descriptive terms that could identify it in your mind as as far as living in a disorderly lifestyle. But it's interesting that Paul, when he zeroes in and what he's talking about here, about a brother or a sister walking disorderly, living a disorderly lifestyle as a Christian in the church, he starts talking about work. He said in verse 8 again, we did not eat anyone's bread free of charge. We worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Now, when somebody is living in our nation today and they simply are lazy, and because of that, they don't want to work, but they want the government to take care of them, whether that's federal, state, or local, or maybe all three, that is making them a burden upon our society, because they're expecting somebody else to take care of them. In verse 9, he goes on and says, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of you, or, or of how you should follow us. Now, Paul, the apostle, Paul, the gospel preacher, had the authority of scripture from God. You know, a workman is worthy as hire to be supported by the congregation there. He said, but, but we wanted to go above and beyond what we could expect from you. We wanted to be an example to you. So we, we got a job ourselves. We toiled night and day to support ourselves so that we could be an example to you of how you ought to live an orderly lifestyle by working to take care of yourself and your family. In verse 10, he goes on and says, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this. Now, notice how many times he uses that word command or commanded. 
when we were with you, we commanded you this. What did you command them, Paul? And this is stark. Now, now kind of grab onto your seat here. This is what he commanded them. And this is a command for us if we're going to be Christians. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. What are you saying, Paul? If anyone will not work, not, not saying if there's somebody who cannot work because of physical impairment, somebody who is sick, ill, stricken with some kind of dreadful disease, somebody who's handicapped mentally or physically, maybe they're in a wheelchair, they can't get out, whatever it might be. He's not talking about that. He's saying if, if, if anyone will not, in other words, does not because he wills that he will not. He does not want to work that he says, neither shall he eat. In other words, don't, ter- don't take care of an indolent person in his indolence. As I said before, when you support laziness, then you contribute to laziness. By supporting a lazy person in his laziness, you're enabling him to stay lazy and maybe even become lazier. Now, what Paul says here would not fly in our culture today because we have all kinds of social organizations and and also a whole lot of government bureaucracies that while they may be noble on the surface level of what they want to do and how they want to help people, they get taken advantage of. And, and in some cases, they just plain lay out guidelines and, and that, that go beyond what they ought to go, what they ought to be, because they, they really make it easy for a person who could work, if he just would work, to not work, to not get a job, to just live off of the government dole. Now, that drains a society. It drains a nation. But it's also, as Paul is bringing out here, it's ungodly. It's disorderly. He goes on in verse 11, he says, For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. There's no question what he is zeroing in on here in this particular text of disorderliness from a Christian perspective, from God's perspective. He's talking about lazy people, people who just don't want to work. And when somebody is not working because they're lazy, not because they're handicapped, but because they're just downright lazy, then that opens the door for the devil to move into their life and stir the pot a whole lot more. And Paul says here, one way is they become busybodies. What's busybody? Gossip? Talebearer? Somebody who stirs up strife between people? Somebody who talks about things they don't need to be talking about? In verse 12, he goes on and he says, Now those who are such, we command. Here's that word again, command. Again, not suggest, not a good idea, not something maybe you ought to think about. It's a command, a commandment from God, because Paul is writing God's very word. 
when you look in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, this same writer, the Apostle Paul, said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, when you boil that down, when you look at what the Greek word means, it's God's very word. When Paul was writing this scripture, he was writing God's very word. God was guiding him to write these very words. And so he says, now those who are such, in other words, who are lazy, who are not working for a living when they could work for a living, who are being indolent, lazy. Those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ, again by the authority of our Lord, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Eat their own bread. How do they do that? By working for a living, earning an income, buying their own food, buying food for their family. And then verse 13, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Now, there are some times when a person is absolutely down and out. They cannot help themselves. They're down and out through no fault of their own. They need help for a while. But in most of those cases, the vast majority of those cases, it's for a little while. It's not for the rest of their lives. We need to help them get to the point where they can get back to work. Think about, think about this. Even going all the way back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden, that God prepared to sustain that first man and woman with food. God put the re, all the resources they need to support their lives in that garden. There was water there. There was food there. I've often said... I suspect that the Garden of Eden was probably the most, the closest thing that we would ever have seen on this earth as paradise on earth. But in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, when God put that man in that garden, the verse says, then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. In other words, God provided the resources there. God put the man in that place where the food would be there growing, the water would be there. But God said, now, you can't just lay down and be lazy under a tree all day every day. Tend this garden. Work it. Take care of it. And then, after man this same first man and then the wife that God prepared uh, provided for him when they disobeyed God in Genesis chapter 3 and sinned thereby entered into sinfulness God pronounced a judgment upon the man in regard to his labor he said cursed is the ground for your sake In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. In other words, till you die physically. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Clearly, 
God from the beginning expected us to work for our living. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, when he told the man, he put him in the garden and said, tend it, keep it, take care of this garden, work it. And then when man mankind entered into sin, God said, you're still going to work for your living. You're going to toil. You're going to, in the sweat of your face, you're going to, to eat bread. You're going to earn your living. But the ground is no longer going to be 100% effective for you. Thorns and thistles are going to grow. You're going to have problems. You're going to have to work harder for your living. But you're still going to work for your living. Clearly, God declared that mankind would have to work for a living throughout his life. Now, in his letter to the Thessalonians, as we just read, the Apostle Paul declared that anyone who would not follow God's law on this matter should not eat. In other words, don't take care of just plain lazy people in their laziness. Let them learn the lesson, and if you really love them, you will let them learn the lesson that they have to work for a living and their laziness is their downfall. Paul further clarifies the subject of his instruction in this text in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. In verse 11, we hear there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies, lazy folks. For the third time, he identifies not working for a living when a person has the ability and the opportunity to work, being inherently understood in the instruction as living in a disorderly manner. A person who will not work when he has the opportunity and the ability to work, that's living in a disorderly manner before God. That's sinful. Paul says it's a command. You work for a living. And he is emphatic in his message that being too lazy to work for a living is sin. Now, Paul took away any wiggle room by emphasizing that his instruction in this regard, it constitutes a command from the Lord himself. Those who are such, we command through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness, and eat their own bread. Verse 12. So Paul seems to state that anyone refusing to obey this command is to be disciplined by the congregation by withdrawing their fellowship from him. If anyone does not obey our word, Paul says in this letter, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Verse 14. He needs to wake up. The point is to shake that erring Christian to his senses, stimulating him to repent of his sin and get a job. Paul stresses, do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. You discipline discipline him in this way because you love him. Don't let him continue in his self-destructive lifestyle of laziness. We'll continue next time. Let's pray. Father, help us to not be lazy. Help us 
and bless us to be able to work for a living and in that way bring you glory as we are obedient to your instructions. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.